more than anything you can do. God, what we're saying is we just want you. Will you pray with me, please, fam? Father, thanks. May the words of that song and the image of the fact that it is going to take the spirit of the living God to transform our hearts so that that statement can actually be true. More than anything, what we want is you. I pray that that will be the cry of every household. And as we go into the word today, God, will you prepare our hearts, make it good ground so that when your seed of the word is planted, I pray that it will grow and that uh, we will look a little different from the rest of our culture. We pray in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen, amen, amen. Thanks for joining us again. Uh, if you don't mind, I want you to go in your chat. I'm going to ask you a question. We're going to play a game called The Waiting Game. So if you're at home, I need you to get your, your phones out. I need you to get your iPads out because I'm going to ask you a question about how long you think you spend doing this particular thing. So it's called The Waiting Game. It is during your lifetime for which will you have to wait longer during your lifetime. I'm going to give you two options, three times, and you're going to tell me the one you think you've had to wait longer. And I'm going to give you for the, for the time, uh, the lifespan of your life, okay? So here we go. Uh, here's the question again. During your lifetime, for which will you have to wait longer? Here we go, family. Uh, at a red light or looking for your keys. Which one is it for you? Do you think you wait longer over your lifetime? The amount of times you've been waiting at a red light or has it been uh, looking for your keys or looking, <laughs> looking for your spouse's keys? Uh, given the total time you think you spend, but which one, just tell me which one you think you spend longer. Here's the answer. Here's the answer. Light the chat up. Come on, somebody. Light it up. Uh, answer. Red light. You're going to spend about six months of your life on the red light. Here we go. Number two, uh, looking for your keys. You're going to spend a year. And if you have to look, ladies, if you have to look for your husband's keys too, it's going to be two years. Two years of your life gone just looking for keys. Really? Seriously? All right, here we go. Here we go. Number two. Go to number two. Uh, uh, the waiting game is what we're playing, everybody. Here we go. Uh, stuck in traffic or looking and through junk mail or your email, which one you think traffic, how much time, versus junk mail slash email, tell me the time, which one you think, come on somebody, junk mail, okay, okay, here we go, traffic, one year, uh, one and a half year you're going to spend in traffic, depending on obviously where you live, Junk mail, you're going to spend about three to six months, depending on what kind of work you do, looking through that, okay? Here we go. Last one. Come on, come on, come on. This one's so good. Last one. Uh, phone tag, uh, trying to play phone tag. Somebody call you, and you're waiting to call them back, and they don't call you back, and so you're going back and forth. They call you back, then you call them back. You're waiting to, to get connected with somebody. Or, second one, standing in line, waiting on something. Which one? Ah, ah, ah. Standing in line at the grocery store, standing in line at the DMV, standing in line wherever you go, standing in line, or, or 
um, playing phone tag. Uh, put it in the chat. Which one is it for you? Playing phone tag, standing in line. Which one you think is longer? If you're really good, you should guess how long you think over your lifetime you're spending doing that. Here's the answer. Uh, phone tag. Two years. You call somebody, they call you back. Call somebody, going back and forth for them to call you back. Two years. Uh, the second one, standing in line. No, for real, listen to this. Five years of your life. Gone. Standing in life. Come on in here, Amazon. Come on. We need somebody to help us shorten those lines. <laughs> okay. So today, I want to do a two-part series uh, called Wait. I want to do a series, and we're, we're, we're giving it the tag, Wait. Ladies and gentlemen, we live in a culture today where um, instant gratification is what everybody wants. When I want something, I want it now. I don't want it. I don't want to have to wait for it. I don't want to. I need it right now. We also live in a culture where the, one of the undermining values of our culture is the pursuit of happiness. So one, one side you have this concept of, I want what I want and I want it now. On the other side you have the concept of, um, I want to be happy and I want to be happy at all costs, no matter what. That's what I want. No problem with wanting those two. The problem is when you begin to put those labels on God. When you begin and I begin to say, God, I want what I want now and you better give me what I want right now. Or when you say to God, God, I want to be happy, and I'll be happy at all costs. I don't care what it takes. I am going to be happy. Because of that, my, my responsibility as a pastor and a communicator of God's word is to, is to exegete our culture and then exegete the word of God and then speak the word into the culture. So I noticed as I, as over the last two months or so, that, 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 that we get really impatient with God. So much so that you hear stuff like this. You hear stuff like this. Well, I just don't know if uh, God's doing anything. I just don't know why God is waiting this long to give me what I want. I just don't know if prayer works anymore. I just don't know why God won't do something and do it now. That's because you are taking what you believe is so vital, which is I want this fixed right now. I want what I want right now, and I want to be happy right now. And you are saying, God, you better do what our culture tells us is important, and you better find it in the Word and let it determine what the Word of God says. So, now I'm going to show you how dangerous that is. And I'm going to show you what we go through every single day when we talk about this concept of waiting. Because God is not clear. When, whenever God uses the word wait in the Bible, he is, he is never saying stop. He is always, not sometimes, he is always saying trust. He's never saying do nothing. He's always saying trust. When, let me say it one more time. Whenever the Bible uses the word wait, and they're, 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 every single Bible character has to wait for something. So let's talk about it. The children of Israel, 400 years waiting. Uh, Joseph, he had to wait about uh, 13 years. Uh, let's see, um, Abraham, 25 years. Uh, Noah, 100 years. 
Everybody in the Bible has to wait because the way God works is he is always working something out. So here's the thesis. The thesis is God has not forgotten you. He is only preparing you. Say it again. God has not forgotten you. What he's actually doing is he is, say it with me, everybody, preparing you. That's what he's doing. So let me, let me break it down and let you look behind the curtain to see how and what God is up to as you go through your struggle of waiting. See, you know the drill. You ever been in a waiting room? Hey, doc. You're waiting on the doctor, perhaps, to come out. You're in the waiting room and you're struggling and saying, when is it going to be my turn? And you're waiting, you're waiting, you're waiting. Have you ever seen when somebody else come in after you? <laughs> and then they get called before you? Yeah, 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 yeah. You've been there. You ever seen when you have buzzers, you have these little, uh, these little pager thingies, and they give you one and say, yeah, when that, when that's, uh, when that start buzzing, you, that means you should come in. And you came in early, and you're getting ready, and you got your little, your little pager thingy, and, um, and, and, and you hear the person who just got here. They're right here. Person just had How come yours buzzing before mine? You don't say it out loud because you're professional, so you don't say it out loud, but you're like, something ain't right. Then when they get up and walk inside, you'll be like, no, Lord, they tried my patience this morning, Lord. You know I should have been called before them. Okay, you're not feeling that. Um, maybe for you, it's you've been waiting on a child and you, 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 you still can't get pregnant and you're waiting. Maybe for you, it is you've been waiting on this promotion and you, you still haven't gotten it. Maybe for you, it's you're at home and you want to stay home. You don't want to go back to work, but they're calling and asking some people to come back and some people not to come back. Their, their job assignment lets them stay home and work from home, but they're calling you back and you're like, for real, God? For real? I, I, I can stay home too. Well, I can do my job just as good as they can from the house. Why not me? And now you got to wait. Or, or perhaps you are, you're in a marriage that you don't like and you're waiting for your spouse to change. God, can you just make them nicer? Can you just make them more attractive? Can you just make them, and you go down the list. God, change them now. They got a bad attitude. They're lazy. They, and you go down the, the litany of stuff that you want change. And you're waiting. It's been two, four, five, 10, 15, 20, 30 years. You've been waiting. And you'll be like, God, for real? How much longer must I wait? Here's what's on the bottom of that. Don't miss it. The pursuit of happiness. And instant, I want it now. What? Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Don't, here's another one. You've been waiting. You're single and you've been waiting. And, and you've, been, you've been chilling and say, okay, God, I'm busy serving you. But Lord, come on. Can, can a brother get some help? God, I need, I need all of the, God, I'm looking and I can't find the Or the sister's like, God, can somebody call me, please? And you'll be waiting. And you'll be like, God, when, when will it be my turn? I'm sick of going to all these weddings. When's it my turn? When's it my turn? You can't have an internal joy right now because ain't nobody having no big wedding. They got to do it small in the corner. And you can't have it because your name has not been called yet. Oh, or perhaps for you it's, it's this idea of your, something's wrong physically and you're saying, God, when am I going to be healed? And you're wondering when. Or maybe you have a wayward child and you're like, God, when will this child get it? Or maybe you have some grandkids. You're saying, God, can you help their mama, please? Or their dad, please? 
lead and raise these kids right. Or lastly, maybe, maybe, maybe what you want is fame. And you know, everybody else getting more followers, everybody else getting more stuff, and you ain't getting it, and you're frustrated with that because you think you're better than all of them. It's called the waiting room. Everybody has to, you have not started to live until you have learned to wait. Uh, okay, okay, okay. Let me, let me see if this will help. Come here. Let me see if this will help. Um, you see, all of us, ladies and gentlemen, all of us have all of these three, desires, dreams, and hopes, don't we? All of us do. We all have them, and so we got to walk around with these things all the time, desires, dreams, and hopes. This is your look behind the curtain. Listen to me. So, so you have these in your box, and here's what you're beginning to say. God, um, I want these things. I want my desires, I want my hopes, and I want my dreams. This is the problem with waiting. And you say to God, God, I need these. And the way you say to God, however, is different because you put them in another box. So you say to God, God, now, God, I want these to be what I expect, which really means what I'm going to demand of you. So, some of the sisters, you're looking for a groom. And you're saying to God, I need this. I, that's what I need right now. And then you take it out of your desire box and you put it in your expectation box and you leave it there. Then some of the brothers looking for a bride and say, God, I need, I need, I need a bride. This is what I want. And you put it in your expectation box. That's what a lot of us do. Some of you need a baby, you put it in there. Some of you need to travel the whole world. God, I need to go to every continent, and I, this is what I need. I have to see the world. I am not going to be stuck here in America. I need to see the whole world. So then you say, God, I need, I need this kind of car. I need this kind of job. I need, some of you just want, God, I just want, I saw these shoes, and I just want these shoes. And, and you ju you're just going after everything. Now, here's the problem. Don't miss this. Here's the problem. When you, when you take it out of this box and you put it in here, listen to me, you now make it a demand that God give you these things. No, here's why that's bad. Because in essence, what you're saying is, God, you owe these things to me and you better give me the things that you owe me. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, no relationship can work when you think somebody owes you something. No relationship, not, your, not you and your, and your uh, spouse, no, no relationship. Most importantly, it can't work with God because now you're saying to God, you better give me what I want or this relationship is over. So here we go. This is why oftentimes we feel forgotten because you put it in this demand area and it now feels, you feel forgotten. This is why you feel overlooked sometimes. This is why you feel that God is focusing on other people and passing you over because you have put it in the demand box where God, you owe me. Watch this, watch, watch, watch. This is why some people have left the faith. They have left the faith because they thought 
God was going to give them something, and, they, and he didn't give it to them, and now they've walked away. You know people that have done that. Because God didn't do what they thought God should have done, then all of a sudden they want to walk away from God because they put God in the position where God owed them. This happens all the time. It happens to you. It happens to me. And it happens almost daily. Let, let, let me show you in the Bible where the same thing happened. Genesis chapter around about 15 is where we're going to hang out. In Genesis chapter 12, God told um, his boy Abram, hey man, through you I'm going to bless everybody. The world is going to be blessed because of you, eh? So here's what I want you to do. I want you to just trust me. Isn't that what he's always after? Isn't that what he's always after for you? Will you have faith and trust me? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. That's what he's saying. Watch the text now. So here's what happens. Genesis chapter 15, uh, verse number 1. Here's what the text uh, says. Uh, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not fear, Abram. I am a shield to you. Your reward shall be very great. Verse number two. Abraham said, O Lord God, what will you give me since I am childless? The heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abraham said, since you have given me no offspring, it's no offspring to me, one born in my house is my heir. You see the challenge? He's now frustrated. He doesn't have what he wants. He is in the proverbial waiting room. Turn it over to chapter 16. Ten years has now passed. My boy Abram is still trying to pull it off. Here we go. Verse chapter 16, verse 1 and 2. Here's what the text says. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, and she had an Egyptian maid whose name was Hagar. So, so, so Sarai said to Abram, now behold, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. God gave her a promise. God says, I will keep my word. Listen, she felt overlooked. She felt forgotten. She felt that God had passed her by. That's the same way you feel sometimes. Watch the text. I'm not making it up. Then he says, then he says, uh, please, she says, please go in to my maid, perhaps I will obtain children through her. Abraham listened to the voice of Sarai. Here we go, verse 3. After Abram lived 10 years in the land of Canaan, Abram's wife Sarai took Hagar, the Egyptian, her maid, and gave her to her husband, Abraham, as his wife. Listen, they're in the waiting room. Listen, these desires, these hopes, and these dreams, I want, she said, I want a baby. I can't have one. So what they do, let me hold the child right. There we go. Um, I want a baby. I, I can't have one. Come on, come on. Why can't I? So then, here we go. I'm going to leave the waiting room. I'm going to get up, and I'm going to go, and I'm going to fix this myself so I don't have to be in the waiting room anymore. That's what many of us do. No, can I tell you what happened? God had not forgotten them. He was just preparing them. Listen, here's what happened. You have Ishmael and you have Isaac now. Because they walked out of the waiting room, generationally, you got a fight that's still going on 
to today. When you walk out of the waiting room and you say, God, I'm done with you. I'm going to do it myself. I'm going to fix this myself. Then here's what happens. When you walk outside of the laws of God and you say to God, I don't care. I want my happiness. I want it fixed now. What you do is you set up yourself for consequences that are so painful that generational fights happen to this very day. And some of you have calculated this thing, and you've calculated it so much that you have said, God, I'll deal with the consequences. And you walk out of the waiting room, and you still say to God, I don't care what anybody says. I'm going to do it because I must be happy, and I must find the answer right now. Culturally, we better be careful about that. Individually, we better be careful about that. Men, you better be careful about that. Ladies, you better be careful. Students, you better be careful because you get to choose the sin. But God gets to choose the consequences. So be careful when you walk out of this waiting room. So pastor, what are you telling me to do? What are you telling me to do? I can't, if I can't walk out of the what must I do? You, you, you know what's funny about this, y'all? You ever go to the... <laughs> You ever go to the dentist? You ever go to the <laughs> You notice, you notice, we only do this stuff to God. You ever go to the dentist and the dentist taking too long? You know what you don't do? You don't walk around talking about, let me get in this dentist here. Let me take his tool and let me drill my own tooth. You don't do that. You know why? Because you respect the dentist's skills. And you know you potentially will do more harm than good. But when it comes to God, you'll be like, I can fix this. I don't need no God. I know what to do. I know what to do. And then you allow your emotion sometimes to get the better of you. No, no, remember, remember, don't, 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 hold on now. Don't miss it. <clears throat> what I'm trying to suggest, it's a two-part series. I'm talking about being before doing. I'm talking about being. Ah. You have to be there first before you start doing anything because one flows out of the other. When you go to the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, 2, and 3 is all about being. Chapter 4, 5, and 6 is all about doing. When you go to Colossians, same thing. Chapter 1 and 2 is about being. Chapter 3 and 4 is about doing. When you go to Philippians, chapter 1 and 2 is about being who I am, who I'm becoming. Then chapter 3 and 4 is about doing. Can I tell you what our culture wants you to do? They want you to do and then think about it later. They want you to do, and then don't worry about who you are or who you're becoming. And God says, in my word, what I want you to care about is who you are in Christ, so that when you go to do, you've got a parameter around which you get to play ball. Culture is not going to tell you that, but the word of God does. So then, pastor, what the heck do I do while I'm in this waiting room? What's God's up to? in the waiting room. So let me, let me give you the boxes now that you need to fill out. So the first one in the middle, your expectation. Is everybody with me? Where you see your expectation gap? I want you to go there real quick. So in the middle, it says your desires, your dreams, and your hopes. If you don't have the notes, go to our, go to our app or you can download them there um, or our website. Uh, on the left-hand side, you have one word, expectations. One word, expectations. That's where you're making demands of God. That's where you want to control God. That's where you're telling God what to do and when to do it. That's it. We do it all the time. 
on the right-hand side of the box is this word. Here it is. The word is request. So now he says, when you've got these, you, you have all of your stuff. You have these desires, hopes, and dreams. Do you have these? This word is supposed to be. This word is supposed to be. Don't make them a demand of God. Don't make them, don't tell God you got to do this or else. No demanding, no coercing, no forcing. You're going to wait because you're not God. You're not the dentist. So you're going to wait on him. So then, pastor, what in the world do I do? Here we go. You got to first empty your expectation box. You got to empty your expectation box and then invite God to help you refine your request. Here we go. So what are you trying to do? You're saying, God, hey God, I, I, this is what I would like. This is what uh, is my desire in this season. And so will you, will you, will you grant me the desire, please? What you're saying to God is, God, this is what I'd like. God, will you grant me my, my, my desire, please? But God, not, not my will, but yours. What I care about is what you want from me. I'm not making a demand of you. I'm not telling you you have to. I'm saying this is my request. Here's the next. I want to travel the world, God. I want to get this kind of car. I want to get this kind of house. I want to get this child. I want to have a good health. I, God, that's what I want. <clears throat> but God, I am not making a demand of you in the waiting room. I'm making a request. So go to your notes now. You see on the, on the number two says the waiting room. Um, you have to empty your expectations so God can refine your request. That's what you do. No, 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 no. Here's the hard part. God, God, God. How do I know if I have an expectation or if I've put it in the request box? How do I know that, God? How do I know if I have, if I have made a request or if I'm making a demand? Here we go. You make a demand when it consumes your thinking every day, all day. When, when, when you're thinking about the, the demand more than you're thinking about God, you got it. It's a demand. You're saying, God, I want this and I want this now. When you, <clears throat> when you justify the reason why you think you need it and God owes it to you, you got it. It's a demand. No longer a request. When you, when you become God in the situation and now you're telling God, I need it and here's why I need it and here's when I need it and every decision you make is clouded with this thing that you're trying to fix. No, you're not trusting God. What you're doing is you're making a demand of him. Ladies and gentlemen, the more we make a demand, the more an unhealthy relationship you have with God. You cannot say God owes you anything. Listen, because if you say God owes you something, then you're not going to be grateful for all the things that he has already given to you. Listen, come here. You remember Abraham? You remember uh, Genesis chapter uh, 1, 2, and 3? You remember what happened in that story? You know what Eve did, don't you? God says, this is the only thing. Everything else you can enjoy. This is the only thing. This is the only thing right here I don't want you to touch. You know what she did? She focused on the one thing she didn't have. Isn't that what you do sometimes? Isn't that what I do sometimes? We focus on the one thing we don't have, which therefore means <clears throat> we don't live a grateful life because we don't say to God every day, thank you for getting me up this morning. Thank you for getting me on my way. Thank you for the house or the apartment that you allow me to live in. Thank you for the, you, you, don't, you don't have a spirit of gratitude. You have a spirit of demand because you're telling God, 
give me this now. I need this now. Because you go everywhere, you see what everybody else has, you now become aware of it, and all of a sudden you're lusting after it. And the world sets us up to do that all the time. And God says, what I have for you is so powerful, you don't want to miss it. Therefore, you wait in that waiting room until I'm ready to bless you. So then, pastor, what do I do in the waiting room? I'm glad you asked me. What do I do? God has not forgotten you. He's just, <clears throat> excuse me, preparing you for what he's going to do through you. What do you do in the waiting room? Come on. Here are these requests. But they started out as expectations. That's how they started. They started as expectations. And here's what you do in this waiting room, ladies and gentlemen. You start out by saying to God, God, I'm fighting you because I want this stuff to happen. I want all of these things to be reality in my life. So God, right now, I'm fighting you. I don't like it. I want what I want. The culture is influencing me. <clears throat> Excuse me. And because they are, God, I want what I want. And I don't want what you want for me. I want you to give me what I want right now. And then you move on. And you move on from there, hopefully. To now you're hurting. You know why you're hurting? Because you're beginning to realize that you're not God, that you're not the dentist, that I cannot say that God owes me these things because then I don't have a healthy relationship with him. Then my relationship is based on what he gives me, not based on who he is. So now I've got to make the adjustment, but it's hurting. Now you start crying out to God. God, is there any other way? Now you're wrestling with it. Okay, God, are you mean to tell me this has to happen for me to be happy? If I, if, if I don't have this, I'm never going to be happy? That makes no sense, God. You cannot tell me that this one thing over here is causing me this much dissatisfaction when I still have a relationship with you. So now you go from there, and you're, you're, you're hurting, but you're crying out to God. And then you go to knowing that's when the transition starts to take place. And you, go, you begin to know that God has a plan for you and it's customized for you. You begin to find out that your God and his plans are not for calamity, but for their, your good. You begin to realize that he's working things together for your good. That's why you need to stay as long as you can in this waiting room. Watch it. <clears throat> you remember Esther, don't you? Esther started out, yeah, 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 yeah. I know they want to kill and take out my, all my people, but, but that ain't for me. That ain't for me. That ain't my fight. Listen, he's going to kill the person that went up there and said, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to chill. <clears throat> and, then, and, then, and then she continues to say, well, maybe. I don't know. And then she gets to talk to her mentor, and Mordecai says, hey, 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 hey. whoa, 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 whoa. I know you're cute. I know you're fine. I know you're all that. But, but let, me, let me explain to you why God made you all that, so that you could be in the house of the king right now, because could it be that he allowed you to be there for such a time as this? See, the fight was going on. The struggle was going on. She wasn't sure she wanted to do this until she got to knowing. And then when she got to knowing, and then all of a sudden, now it's switching from an expectation to a request. And now God is saying, all right, let's go to the next one then. Now stuff starts changing. Listen, everybody. Stuff starts changing. So all of a sudden now, what you want changes. Your heart starts to change. Your desires start to change. Your perspective starts to change. Once they're transformed by the word of God, all of a sudden now, stuff starts 
to change. Listen, listen, because don't forget. Watch it now. Don't forget. Guess who has some dreams too? Your heavenly father. His dreams are his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Guess who has some dreams for one new man? And that what, should, what the earth should look like is what heaven is going to look like. Guess who has some dreams about that? God, do you know what he's doing in the waiting room? Getting you to realize that your dreams are this big. And his dreams are infinitely bigger. And he's trying to transform, listen, listen, your dreams. So that you embrace his dreams. So that when you pray, you're now praying not your dreams and not your thoughts, but the ones he placed in your mind. So that now he can give you the desires of your heart because they're really no longer your desires. They're his desires for you. That's why you get to this part where now all of a sudden you're saying to God, God, I love all my requests, God. I love them. But God, what I really want, since you have transformed my thinking, since you have transformed my heart, what I really want is your desire. Because the closer you get to God, the more you want his will over yours. So my brothers and sisters, the question on the floor is, when you're in the waiting room, he's taking you through this process. There's nothing wrong with wanting all the things that are here, but there's everything wrong when you want them more than what you want. God's will for you. And so God's saying, will you say to him, not my will, but your will be done. Not my dreams, but your dreams. Will you say that? Can, is it possible that a group of believers all across this country can get to the place where we're saying, God, what I want is what I'm going to get for the rest of my life, the thousands of millions of billions of years that I get to spend with you. Can your God lead you to a place where you want his will more than yours? Oftentimes, your will, the things you desire, are going to be what God wants for you. But like Abraham, you remember, remember my boy Abe, he, 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 um, he said, God, I wanted, I wanted this baby. Then he got the baby. Then you remember what God said? Genesis 22. Hey, man, come up here. I want you to take your son, your only son, and I want you to give it to me. You know, you know and, then, and then the text says, here's what he said. He says, now I know, trusting, that you want me over the things that I can give you. So one community, here's the question. Are you there yet? If you're not, no problem. But just remember, don't leave the waiting room too soon. Come on with me. Look at the text. Look, come on down, come on down, come on down. So we went through the whole the waiting process. Now I want you to see, I want you to make your waiting less goal-oriented and more God-oriented. Because that's what he's taking you on the journey. He's taking you on this journey because he wants you to make sure that your dreams, your desires, your requests are more God-oriented than they are goal-oriented. Because after all, 
When you became a Christian, you died so that Christ could live through you. Here we go. Look at the next verse. Every unmet desire is a chance to get an upgrade revelation of who God is. Everyone, every time you're in the waiting room and you're saying, God, you're not giving me what I want. God says, I, I want you to see a different side of me. Listen, come here, come here, come here. You remember, you remember Mary and Martha, don't you? Um, 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 John chapter 11, I think it is. And they're, 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 they're trying to get to God so that God knows, hey, man, listen, 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 God. Your boy Lazarus, he's going to die if you don't come right now. Two days, God chilled when did something else. But like, Jesus, if you were here, he would not have died. They didn't know who God really was. They didn't know all the attributes of God. So here's what they had to realize. That God delayed so he could show them a different perspective about who he is. They got to see a different picture. See, they would never have known he is the resurrection and life. They would never have known unless he delayed so they could see a different side, a different attribute, understand him a little more. All of a sudden now, they're like, whoa, are you kidding me? I just thought he was a healer. Now I see that he can resurrect people from the dead. See, if you leave the waiting room too early, you never get to see that attribute of God. The problem with many of us, okay, 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 you're not feeling me. Um, you do know that Apple, um, um, if you don't get the software update, you ever see your phone going really, really slow? And you'd be like, what's up? What's up? What's up? Why can't I go? Why, why am I not getting? You know why? Because you haven't gotten the upgrade. If you upgrade the software, then all of a sudden it starts going fast again. Because you need the upgrade package to see another revelation of who Apple is. What Jesus is telling you is when you stay in that waiting room, I'm going to be with you in it. And I'm going to see you through it. And when you walk with me, you'll see another dimension of who I am. So please do not leave the waiting room. Let me give you two more stories, then I'm done. Do you remember the prodigal son? Do you remember what he said? Here's what the prodigal son said. I'm done, dad. I don't want to be here no more, dad. I am leaving because you are no fun. This ain't cool. I am gone. Give me my inheritance and I am out. Remember what he did? He didn't want to wait. He wanted his stuff now. He thought he could get joy. He could get freedom. He could get satisfaction. He would have all his desires met. He would get fulfillment. And his dad says, you want to leave the waiting room? Go ahead, son. Do you remember the story? He went out there and everything he had, he lost. The good news of God is that when, that, when the boy comes back home, the dad is so gracious, his hands are open. And he says, son, you left the waiting room too early. But I am so gracious, I'm going to give you what you had left behind. Can I, can, I, can I remind you of something? Don't leave the waiting room too early, please. Stay right where God has you. you, 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 you you've seen it before. You've been on a plane before when this happened. The weather's real bad. 
And so the pilot comes on and says, hey, you know what? We've got enough fuel. We're going to be in a holding pattern. You know why he wants you to hold him better? He's not trying to delay you. But I got stuff to do on, in, in Dallas. I got stuff to do in New York, wherever you watch. I got stuff to do. And he says, yeah, 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 yeah. But, but, but I can see stuff you can't see. I know stuff you don't know. So I am delaying this process because I want you to realize that I care about your safety and I care about your security and I care about your plans more than you would think. I can see further than you can see. You remember, if you fly with Delta, fly with Delta, um, you'd be going one place, and Delta will, will, will route you through Atlanta. And you'd be like, what? This don't make no sense. Why am I going through Atlanta? I just need to go to my destination. Let me get there. And Delta said, uh-uh, that's our hub. So the best way for us to connect you to where you want to go is you got to go through the hub, what appears to be a delay. You got to go through it to get to where you're headed. What God is saying is, what you, you're going through something, but it's just a hub, and he's taking you to where he wants you to go. My final comment, and then I'm done, is here's what I want you to do. I want you to make sure, in closing, that you make, that you make this idea of your waiting room, I want you to make it your work room. I want you to go to work while you wait. Here's why that's important. Because I know you have not yet fully obeyed the stuff God has already revealed to you that you should be applying right now in your life. So just go to work. Just go to work with what you know to do. You know, the, you know whenever you get delayed at an airport, you know what makes it fun? If you got lots of stuff to do, you just go to work. And, and time flies because you're working. If you make your waiting room your work room, then the wait don't seem that bad. Your desire is you've been walking around talking about, I don't have what I got. I don't need what I need right now. And God's not giving it to me right now. That's because you are so focused on demanding stuff from God that you're not doing what he has already called you to do. So here's what I want you to know. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, then you need to accept him today. If you're here today and it's time for you to come back to church because you have wandered away and you've said, I'm leaving, I want what I want, and God's not coming through for me, so I'm leaving, then it's time for you to come back home. We're saying to you, today's the day. Well, he's not moving too fast in this race issue. He's not moving too fast in my family issue. He's not moving fast enough in my, in my job issue. So you want to walk away? Maybe you already have. And today we're saying, he's up to something. He, he has plans for you. And they're not to hurt you. They're for your good. And so today, to the person that's walked away, I'm telling you, it's time to come back home. To the person that's in the waiting room and you're frustrated, I'm saying get to work on the already revealed word of God to the person that's, that's emotionally charged right now. Listen, I'm saying to you, do you see what God has already done in his sovereignty? Listen to the greatness of your God. In his sovereignty, here's what your God has already done. He created and allowed something to happen. All the distractions to be removed, all of them. Never in the history of this country have we ever all the distraction moved. No football game, no baseball game, no volleyball game, no track and field, no soccer game. All of it done. What else did they do? All of it gone. You're locked in your house. 
can't move. Never in the history of this country, gone. A virus came across the world. The world shuts down. And then the race issue gets front and center. We're pent up on the inside. We've got to do something. We've got to do something. And all of a sudden, all of this frustration, all of this anger, no, 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 comes out. And you're saying, you did this? You're saying in God's sovereignty, he didn't allow it to get the world's attention. So now every organization, every police department, every person is now zooming in on this issue. But it's not just for America because you think it's all about us, but it's for the whole world. Because if you think racism is only only here, then, then I just needed to go read some other paper that's outside of this country. And look what he's doing across the world that could never have been done. If all the focus, all the distractions were removed so that we could look at this. You think you came up with this? You know what Ephesians 2 says? I want to create one new man. I want to create something different, which is why he came and gave his life so that you and me, Christians, could show the world what this thing looks like. In his sovereignty, he shut everything down so that we could focus on this one issue. And you say, God, where are you? Are you kidding? Are you, are you kidding me? He's addressing this more than you will ever know. You're just looking through the eyes of the media outlets instead of looking through the eyes of the Word of God. Go read Ephesians 2 and you will see after verse 10 and you will see what your Heavenly Father is up to as He is creating this unique, beautiful picture of what heaven is going to look like. But He's forcing us, every person in the world, to deal with it now. That's the greatness Heavenly Father, in a culture that focuses on instant gratification, in a culture that focuses on the pursuit of happiness, will you help us to look at this world today, not through the eyes of the political pundits, but through the eyes of your word, so that we can see our role as one new man. Help us to fight the fight. This is the finest hour for your church, God. Help us not to miss it because we're taking sides when you legitimately came to take this whole thing over and show us heaven on earth. Will you help the church and Christians not to miss by focusing on other people's agenda and missing thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Transform us through the waiting process, God. Transform us to the concept of fighting and from fighting to hurting and knowing and from knowing to changing and from changing to trusting. Will you help us to stay in the room until your desires become our desires so that we can glorify you with our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen, amen, amen.